1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates National Average 12-Month Savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. It's felt so good, man. It's the best time I've had since week one of last year. There's nothing like that feeling, you know. Uh, glad to do it with this group of guys. They made it easy for me. Um, so it was a lot, a lot of fun. That's Gardner Minshew getting the victory yesterday. There he is, hugging his dad. He's giving him the Kirk Cousins. You like that shove, like Cousins and Zimmer from earlier this year. And ah. he mentioned week one, Mike, because that's the last time Gardner Minshew got a win as a starter. The Jaguars won their first game over the Colts in week one of the 2020 season, then fell apart after that. And Minshew was injured and benched and whatever, and... Uh, I'm going to start there. I'm going to to call an audible. I'm going to take the first superlative. We talked about this during the break, so he knows it's coming. My my, uh, superlative is, how in the hell was he only worth a sixth-round pick award? Because I'm still astounded that Gardner Minshew, who had 37 touchdown passes and 11 interceptions in his first two NFL seasons who has shown grit and toughness and intangibles. And, you know, he, he was kind of a fan favorite as a rookie. Last year, it all fell apart. When the team's bad, it's going to fall apart. But the, the Jaguars, and it was kind of a clumsy effort by Urban Meyer and company to, to create this notion there was actually a quarterback controversy in Jacksonville. And, and I think they were always trying to set up some trade value for Gardner Minshew. I still was amazed that they only got a sixth-round pick for Gardner Minshew when, you know, everybody needs a good backup quarterback and look at what happens for the Eagles. You got a backup quarterback that you can rely on. So Jalen Hurts can't play and you come in and you get a win that keeps you alive in the playoff race, Mike. And without Gardner Minshew, they would have still had Joe Flacco. And I'm not saying Joe Flacco wouldn't have won the game. I don't know, but I feel better about Gardner Minshew right now than Joe Flacco. I felt better about him before. The season began, uh, and I am astounded that, that the Eagles were able I to steal such... him for a sixth-round pick.
2: Uh, listen, that whole thing, like you said, with Urban and trying to say it was a quarterback competition, if they were doing that to try and up his value, it was still a sixth-round pick. It was it was very, very weird. I, such a big Gardner Minshew fan. You know, there are the high draft picks that are expected To be great players and then there are the lower draft picks obviously where the expectation isn't there when they start to do something you just get behind them and then everybody just loved his personality so much i mean i'm just such a fan such a great relationship with him and his family as well it's just a very 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 cool humanizing things to do humanizing thing to see when a lot of times with pro athletes, we look at them as robots at times just to go out and perform. So that's a, a very good one. My, my first superlative is going to go, and I know I've done it before, again to Jonathan Taylor. And what he just continues to do is the only player over 1,000 yards this year and has over 1,300 yards. Goes 20 32 carries for 143 yards and a couple of touchdowns in the 31 nothing win uh, for the Colts. I just like the, the him handling the ball as much as he does. You know, again, as you see right there, last 10 games, he's averaging 23 touches a game. The guy can handle it. And a lot of times we talk about in this day and age where you have two running backs, so one guy isn't taking all the touches and taking all the hits. Well, right now, that's what Taylor is doing, but he is doing it so well. To the tune of playing at an MVP level in this league for a team right now that's on the outside of the playoffs, you know, looking in. We'll see as we talked about this change can change week to week, but boy, what he is doing is just nothing short of unbelievably impressive.
1: It really is, and and look, I I, I don't think his final numbers are going to be enough that he's in the MVP conversation and the Colts obviously would have to make it to the playoffs, maybe even have to win the division, which isn't out of the question right now because we never know what the Titans are going to do down the final uh, five weeks of the season. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be the quarterback of the one seed in the NFC. But but if Jonathan Taylor can really kind of go off down the stretch like Adrian Peterson did down the stretch in 2012, I, I think the door's open because there really isn't an AFC guy that screams out MVP right now, quarterback, or any other position. My next one is the new Bad News Dump Award. And just as they've been trying for years to come up with new places in pizza to stuff the cheese, the NFL has found a new place to bury the bad news. And I had never thought about this before until yesterday. But what better place to fire your offensive coordinator – Then during your bye week, during the one o'clock games of your bye week, as the games are being played, the statement comes from the Panthers that they have parted ways with offense coordinator Joe Brady. Now, so much for the conventional wisdom that the best time to make that kind of a change when you're in a bye is the Monday after the last game you play before you have 13 days to, you know, get the next guy up to speed. There's got to be a hell of a story behind this one, Mike, for it to have come to a head when it did, how it did. And I got in touch with somebody very much in the know in the NFL, finger on the pulse of everything. And I was like, wow, can you believe this Joe Brady thing? And the response was three words, head coach next. So keep an eye on what happens in Carolina with Matt Rule. Despite all the money they paid him coming in and the fact that they've had some highs, more lows than highs, David Tepper, the owner of that team, I think is going to be very impatient. And what happened yesterday, and it was so unconventional. And again, it's it's a new place to be. Use it as a case study going forward, NFL teams. It's a great plate because nobody noticed, nobody cared. But something's going on in Carolina, Mike, and it's worth paying attention to.
2: Well, wasn't Joe Brady? He was the hot name, wasn't he, with uh, Burrow and, and LSU and what they did with the title there, and then you know coming to the NFL as an assistant. He was like the next head coach grooming, getting groomed, right, to be the OC in the NFL and then take over somewhere. And then it's a bottom line, like you said, news dump. Joe Brady fired. Everyone like, what? You know, are, are you kidding me? That this was the hottest a uh, hot guy out there and. And obviously, no more. Obviously, he's going to find work somewhere. I don't think there's going to be any doubt about that. But as you said, to keep an eye on that Carolina situation, going to be really interesting. Uh, My next one, I'm going to, listen, these weren't flashy numbers, but for a team that's really hanging in there, the Washington football team, Antonio Gibson, what he did in the backfield. McKissick was out. So again, another kind of a two-back situation going there. So it's all on Gibson. 23 carries. Again, just under 90 yards, nothing great. Five catches, 23 yards. My point is, he gets 28 touches in this game for a guy that's used to split in time a little bit. They get the 17-15 win over the Raiders. Uh, Heineke plays another nice game. This team is doing just enough to keep themselves right in this hunt. And they still get Dallas twice. They still get Dallas twice. And at times you have to wonder, which Dallas team are they going to get you know, when they play the Cowboys. But, again, these aren't flashy numbers, but I want to give a little love to just a guy who was put in a situation. You're going to be the main guy out there. 28 touches later, you know, he grinds out a little over 100 yards, of total offense, and this team grinds out a win.
1: Yeah, uh, amazing what they are doing. And we, we, we've talked a couple of times over the past week about – Washington's path to the playoffs. Unlike the teams that we see clinging to wild card berths and in the hunt in the NFC, Washington, keep this in mind, has two paths to the postseason. Because they can get one of the wild cards and they still can pick off the Cowboys as the champions of the division. So they got two potential tickets to the party, two different ways to get to where they want to be. And they got the Cowboys coming up this week and they still play them twice. They sweep them, they finish in a tie, they win the division. Uh, next one for me, this is, can he be the MVP despite missing three for Kyler Murray? Now, I firmly believe the quarterback of the number one seed in the NFC is going to be the MVP, barring something like Jonathan Taylor going bonkos in the final five games. But if the Cardinals continue, and it's amazing, as good as they are, we're just kind of like, yeah, 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 okay. Get back to us when they do something significant. Well, 10-2 and is significant in this crazy upside-down year. And, Mike, Mike, seven road wins, all by double digits. If they beat the Lions by double digits, they will be the first team in NFL history with eight road wins of double digits. Unbelievable. And they can push it to nine if they would somehow beat the Cowboys by double digits, although that's probably less likely it is amazing what they're doing and it's amazing what kyler murray brings to the table and i know they were two and one without him i know i know that that undermines his value when he's on the field there's a swagger there's a confidence there's there's just the, the the cardinals are a different team with kyler murray and they are so hard to stop and what a godsend james connor has been for that team the guy the steelers didn't want anymore. They've just made it work, and when he rolls out, like look at when he—no, but they got no chance. When he does that fake handoff and rolls to the right, they got no chance, even though they know it's coming. Nobody can stop it, Mike.
2: Boy, I, I tell you what he does, and like I know you said he went—they went two and one without him. That doesn't diminish his value. I guess the guys—the guys in that locker room are like, well, you know what that means—we have a pretty damn good team. Uh, we have a good backup quarterback, we have a good defense, we have a good running game. Connor's gotten a nice breath of fresh air out in Arizona. Zach Ertz as well, Uh hell of a target for Kyler Murray along with Hopkins. Him and uh, Murray and Hopkins back finally this week. I mean, this is about as complete a team as there is in the NFL, and they're showing it. It's really impressive uh, what they're doing and whether they keep doing it uh, or not, we'll see. But right now, at least they've shown they've been one of the most consistent teams, if not the most consistent team in the NFL. My last one, and I'm going to keep harping on this guy just because I'm so curious what's going to happen to him next year, is Tua. They get another win yesterday. He goes 30 of 41 for 244 and two more touchdowns. He's completing 70% of his passes. Now, he's not throwing for a ton of yards, but he's being really efficient. Doesn't throw for a ton of touchdowns either, but he's being efficient. And I just keep wondering what's going to happen here. Are they going to Going, if they if they don't have the Deshaun Watson trade in the offseason, are they just going to flat out look for another quarterback? Atua, we keep talking about this, Mike. All he can do is control what he can control, but he's averaging about 225 yards a game. Again, not a ton uh, of yards, but he is completing a ball at a high efficient ra- uh, a rating. It's, it's uh, shorter passes, which I understand every now and then he'll certainly put it up over the top. But I just keep wondering... You know, what Miami Dolphins fans think of, who do we go get next? This next crop of quarterbacks coming out of the, to the NFL from college? Listen, there, there's no one we're really just so buzzed about. They're saying, wow, that's a can not miss her. So I just keep wondering about Tua and his future with the Miami Dolphins. I still probably think it's not going to be there, but he just keeps being efficient enough to get them some wins.
1: He's very polarizing among the Dolphins fan base and beyond. There's that group that we've come to call non, that is all in on Tua and that <laughs> is irrational in their praise. And you know what? He's backing them up. And, Mike, the best thing that happened to that team this year was the passage of the trade deadline because that was the moment where Stephen Ross fades into the shrubs like Homer Simpson. There's no reason – for Stephen Ross to try to do anything or say anything at that point. It's done because he wanted Deshaun Watson. Make no mistake about it. He wanted Deshaun Watson. And when it didn't happen, that's when the weight kind of lifted off of the franchise. It lifted off of Tua, who was very distracted by all of this talk. At that point, there was nothing he could do other than take advantage of the rest of the season to convince Stephen Ross and anyone else that they don't need Deshaun Watson. They got Deshaun Watson. They got Tua, who's living up to his potential. They haven't lost a game since they were one and seven, and they've now won five in a row since the trade deadline came and went. I don't think that's a coincidence. Wait, they're six and seven. They, they've won five in a row and they're six and seven. They're they're are they six and seven? Are they six and seven? They are six and 7 they are they are they 6 and 7 are they 6 and 7 they are 6 and 7 They have their bye week coming up. And then they have one more game. They're going to be 7 and 7, I believe, cuz they play the Jets. They're going to be 7 and 7 going to they are no. 6 and 7. They're going to be 7 and 7 going to New Orleans on Monday night, December 27th, and maybe maybe that night, given where the Saints currently are, the Dolphins bust through to 8 and 7 and then they become one of those teams we have to figure out where they fit in the playoff field, Mike.
2: Hey, listen. Uh, never say never. When you're on a roll like this, I can't tell you how much the confidence builds in your locker room that you can get it done. That when things don't look good, they pull themselves out of it or they've gotten themselves a lead and been able to hang on to it. It's amazing. The mental part. I don't think people think enough about it, but the mental part of where a team can be when things start to roll their way. Uh, and I know Brian Flores, I, I know he's very well liked down in Miami as well by the players. So, Uh, It's rolling well, and this year, we've talked about it. You're right. Week to week, it changes. You just never know what that graphic's going to look like when we talk about who's in the playoffs or who's just on the outside looking in.
0: All
1: right, let's go ahead and take a break. We know the Lions are on the outside looking in, but they finally get a win, and they may put the Vikings on the outside looking in of the playoff chase. We'll discuss that next when this Monday edition of PFT Live continues right after
2: this. 11 yards from the end zone they've got to have. Four seconds to go. They can win it with a touchdown. First victory of the year on the line. Goff's got it. Back, looks, throws, and up. Yes! Caught. Touchdown to
0: Cornelius! They
2: did it! Armand Ross, they brought the receiving end! Oh, they're rushing the field! They've done it! Three zeroes on the clock. This game is over! It's over! Oh, my goodness.
1: What a moment that was. And Jared Goff goes straight for Dan Campbell with the hug. And that was the first game in Jared Goff's career that he ever won without Sean McVay as his head coach. First one, he finally got a win. Whether it was Jeff Fisher or John Fossil as the interim coach in 2016, or now this year Dan Campbell gets the win without Sean McVay as his head coach. And, you know, it, 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 was, uh, it was exciting. And they blew the 20-6 to lead, and then they, they had the opportunity. The Vikings left too much time on the clock. And the Vikings were in a tough spot because there was only so much time they could take off the clock given where they got the ball after a failed fourth-down yeah. effort by the Lions. You can't, you can't just choose to carve up tiny little pieces of turf You score the touchdown. You just trust your defense is going to get it done, Mike. But what a pathetic defensive performance by the Vikings on that final drive.
2: Well, the the last thing, and we've talked about this more than a few times, Mike, about, oh, God, don't give the other team time. One of the last teams you think about giving time and and being worried is Detroit, right? I mean, how how many times are you like, well, you can't give Jared Goff and that offense much time or they're going to tear you up? I mean, you, that really isn't going... I don't even think it's going through fans' mind. Well, they left us a lot of time on the clock. Now they're going to pay for it. But I was trying... Mike, I was trying so hard because I don't want to see a team go winless. I was trying so hard to justify going for it on 4th and 1 at your own, what, 21-yard line, whatever it was. I was trying, trying to say, yeah... Just, okay, we're trying to get the win so bad. We're just trying to hang on to the ball. We need to do this. Hang on to the ball. We can win this game and not give up the lead. It's just one yard. I was trying. And and, and there's part of me that still doesn't have, I'm, I'm not like 100 to zero against it. But, you know, you have to think, man, just, just punt that ball away. Punt that ball away and see what your defense can do. Again, you know, wh- wh- where you were in the game, and he got bailed out. And certainly, obviously, he had to talk about what he was doing there. Uh, but he got bailed out. What a drive! Uh, what a throw! What a catch! And what an awful defense, Minnesota. I mean, I, I, what the hell were they doing? You're standing in the end zone. You're literally standing in the end zone, letting a route go to the end zone, and a guy curl up in the end zone. I, I was stunned watching that defense that they he had, that he had the room he had.
1: But, you know, as it relates to the decision to go for it on fourth and one from your own 28th, somewhere in the nooks and crannies of the pieces of the formula that is used to determine the analytics process, when you give the ball back with four minutes left and the opposing team is only 19 yards away from pay dirt, chances are you're going to have time. Whether it's uh, a situation where the field goal is kicked and you're behind, or the touchdown is scored, and you're behind. You're going to have time, and they made it work. And, and the Vikings defense played right into it. They weren't aggressive. They didn't get after Jared Goff. And then on that last play, I spoke to Amon Ross St. Brown after the game. He said, look, this is a simple concept that's been in the playbook since training camp, and my job was to get to the goal line because if I get tackled at the one or the two, it's over. We're out of time. We didn't have to worry about getting tackled at the one or the two, Mike. Because nobody was there, he said. I looked up and I saw. I saw, I was shocked that they were as deep as they were in the end zone, and I thought this is going to work out just perfectly, and it did. Because I don't know. I don't know what you. Uh, hey, you got the. Uh, you, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what you're. I don't know what you're
2: thinking there. I I, I have zero idea. I'm like zero. Maybe they're thinking he's going to run a corner route and they're going to fade it up there. I don't know. I don't know, but you certainly sure as hell can't take the chance and just drift back. I mean, the two guys by him are three and five yards deep into the end zone, and all he has to do is get to the goal line. I, I, it blows my mind. Cover the back 10. You know, make sure you have the goal line covered and worry about the back part of the end zone, the, the rest of the end zone, if the ball goes up in the air. I, 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 was, I, he, I, I could believe him being stunned. He'd have to think, this isn't right. I'm going to hook up here in the end zone, and there's nobody near me. I I, I still, I just watched that replay and can't believe what I saw. Cannot believe what I saw. And you saw Danzler and they, they just kind of looked at each other like, wow. <laughs> Almost like they can't believe it happened either. That was stunning. Stunningly bad defense.
1: I mean, why are you guarding the corner of the end zone? It's not Herman Moore or or Calvin Johnson that you have to worry about some fade route. It's a rookie. And and look, he made the catch. Ross St. Brown, it seems like a really good kid, and I'm rooting for him now. But, I mean, don't let him get to the front of the end zone and get the ball and win the game. And when your head coach is a defensive specialist, and when your head coach has a history of one year to the playoffs, one year no playoffs, one year to the playoffs, and there's just kind of this this funk where you never bust through. And now they're looking at two straight years of no playoffs and all that money they spent on Kirk Cousins. And I know the offense isn't as great as it could be, but when you're a defensive specialist and you let the Lions drive down the field and you let them score that touchdown where you've backed off of the goal line, you're going to hear it. And I know Mike Zimmer's feisty enough that he's going to be mad because he's getting criticized and you know when we're gonna, you know, and, and how dare you point out that we stunk? I, they backed themselves into a corner now, and they got the Steelers on Thursday night. They may not have Adam Thielen for that game. He's got a high ankle sprain, so probably going to be out for a while. He he exited early yesterday. Then they have the Bears on a Monday night. They got the Rams and the Packers after that, and they're five and seven. And it's their own damn fault. They beat the Packers two weeks ago to get to 5-5. Five and five. Not that the game in San Francisco was easy, but they were in it. They could have won that one, and they should have won the one yesterday. And any criticism Mike Zimmer gets at this point, he deserves. And I suspect at some point today, someone with the last name of Wilf is going to request a conference call because they're in New Jersey, conference call with Mike Zimmer so he can explain to them what in the hell he was thinking with the defense that he put out on the field on the last play of the game.
2: But I mean, but, but I guess if we look at this, Mike, this is Minnesota, right? Some good, some bad. I mean, they're they're a head scratching team. You know, they have all this offense in the world. Uh, I know Thielen goes out though, and that obviously hurts him. He goes out early in that game, doesn't come back, as you mentioned with the ankle. Uh, but but I, I I just think that's this team. They at the end of the day, they can't be trusted, right? I I think I think that might be the line that that they can't really be trusted to make the play consistently when they need to do it. And they find themselves in this position now, losing uh, to a team that hadn't won. Now, again, I don't think the Lions were going the whole way without winning. They were in games. They've been playing hard. They've been close to wins before, including that overtime game with Pittsburgh with a ball in the air to win it. So they weren't going winless, and I think they'll win again. Uh, But still, I, I think this is more to the Minnesota side of it, of them just being... Such a wildly inconsistent team that is going to put them right around that 500 record if they can even get there.
1: The, uh, the Lions getting their first win of the season, and it capped a horrible week with the shooting. Four killed at Oxford High School. Dan Campbell dedicated the game to Oxford. Here he is after the victory over Minnesota.
2: First thing I am to start with, uh, this game ball goes to the whole Oxford community. All those were affected. Um, and that being said, man, I just, you know, I just, I want us to not forget these names: Madison Baldwin, Hannah St. Juliana, Justin Schilling, Tate Muir, Phoebe Arthur, uh, John Ishudo, Riley France, Elijah Mueller, Kylie OCG, Aiden Watson, and Molly Darnell, who's a teacher. Um, those those names. Um, for all those, uh, you know, will never be forgotten, and they're in our hearts and our prayers, and all the families, and not to mention all those that were affected.
1: And and look, that that made the win by the Lions even more fitting. Between Michigan winning the Big Ten championship on Saturday night, the Lions getting their victory, the outpouring of support, and the rallying in Michigan around what happened in Oxford, you know that that it made it appropriate. For the Lions to get that victory yesterday, especially the way they did it.
2: Well, I mean, listen, we live in a sports world, Mike, uh, where we talk with a lot of sports fans, and we see the incredible things that happen, like Detroit getting their first win, like Michigan uh, winning the Big Ten, and now going on to the playoffs, and we get really excited, you know, about that. But you know, every now and then, we all get slapped in the face with hard, cold reality, and and that's that's exactly what. What what went on in Oxford, you know, at that high school? It just it, it's a, it's the reality of of the real world of where sports fits in with the real world. It's a great escape. It's a great thing that we do. We get to enjoy it. A lot of people get to enjoy it. There's a lot of cheering, but you know there there's a reality too to what real life is outside of the world of sports. And uh, and I'm glad Dan, I'm glad Dan acknowledged that because that is more important than anything we're talking about or covering or going to cover.
1: And and the most unfortunate part of these mass shootings that happened from time to time, and I remember after the Las Vegas incident at the music festival, the shooter up in the, the hotel room, right. well, whatever the facts, they're different every time, but it's the same result. And I don't want to say you get numb to it per se, but I remember addressing it at the time after the Las Vegas incident where, you just get to the point where as an American citizen, and I'm not making a political comment here. This is this is a real world observation. When you leave your house, you accept among the various possibilities of the ways you can end up dead, whether it's car accident, tree falls on you, some other crazy thing, bus runs over you, whatever it may be, the various ways you can die when you leave your house, getting killed in a mass shooting is now, it's not, it's just, you just accept it. It's just, that's just the way it is. And it's unfortunate that it doesn't change. It's unfortunate we don't have solutions. And it's, it's like anything else that can happen to you when you venture away from the, the sanctity and the safety of your own home. And it's just, it's, it's horrible when it happens. And I wish we had a solution, Mike, and I wish we could, we could somehow make it not happen because we look at other countries and we see it doesn't happen there. But I don't I think we've reached the point. I hate to say that we're 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 apathetic to it. We're numb to it. But what can you do? Because it continues to happen.
2: Nah, I mean, yeah, I, listen, I hope we never get numb to it. I hope we always try and find a solution to it. Uh, I really do, because apathy is certainly uh, would be a horrible way to go and just and ex- accept it. But it is it is a reality now, to your point. It's a reality because it's, it's happened too much. Uh, to know that it can happen. Um, I hope we can find a solution again. Um, we, we don't, I don't know what it is or I'm sure we would have tried it or who knows? I, I, I don't know. You know we certainly don't want to turn this into anything political at right. all, but it's become the bottom line is I think everybody can accept it's become a real part of our world over the last how many years uh, and you just hope for some kind of solution and we, we, we see what happens.
1: And, and, you know, what we try to do here uh, every day is bring a diversion, a distraction from whatever may be going on in the world that that isn't pleasant. And we don't like to let those things encroach on, you know, your your diversion and your distraction. But certain things are important enough that we got to say, what the hell's going on and how do we fix this? And it, it is a sad comment that we're at the point where you just have to accept the possibility. You know, we go to the grocery store, you're at school, wherever you may be. It could happen, and it's just it's just one of those things. I, the chances in the grand scheme of things are small, but it's on the radar screen because it's happened enough, and it seems like it happens, and it happens, and it happens, and it happens. Let's take a break. We're going to focus on what Washington was able to do when they went to Las Vegas yesterday, getting their fourth straight victory over the Raiders. We'll do that next here on PFT Live.
2: Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, The threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The
0: longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches, but there's only one McCrispie. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
2: of a detour. I told you guys, everything we need is in this room. Everything we need is And Understand this more so than anything else, okay? Understand this more than anything else. We can do what we want and be what we want. It's up to us. Nobody dictates to us. Okay? Nobody does. We decide. You know what I decide? Jack! Where well, you yeah, Jack? Yeah.
1: One of the great rituals of the 2021 season, when Washington gets a win, they throw the stone at the board. It's David throwing the stone at Goliath. Now, as I've said a time or two, you actually got to be facing Goliath to make that work. (laughs) They didn't exactly stare down a giant yesterday in the Raiders, Mike, but I like the fact that Jack Del Rio, who was treated so poorly by the Raiders thrown overboard by the team as they secretly negotiated with John Gruden a year after Del Rio had become the first coach to take the team to the playoffs since 2002. He had every right to be the one to throw the rock.
2: You know, as, as I've said many times, even, even sometimes when it's amicable, uh, but a lot of times it's not when a coach and or player is dismissed from a team or leaves a team and goes to another team, there's something about going back against that team. There there is just and you know what? Other players know it, other coaches know it, and they understand it for that person. Cause some maybe have been in it or they, they just get it. They understand that's kind of the reality of the business. And exacting a little bit of revenge in a physical sport is always fun to do, even though Jack's past his playing days and coaching now, uh, you you have to feel good for somebody like that. And listen, his defense has been stepping up. This defense, which we've been, has been much maligned early in the season, and deservedly so. You know, they, they certainly weren't living up. They have been living up as of late, holding any NFL team, again, to 15 points, especially, you know, a Raider team that earlier in the year had been scoring more and doing well, hadn't been doing it as of late. But as I said earlier, man, I, you're right, they didn't stare down a giant. But you know what they're doing? And, and you heard Ron say it, Is They they control. They're sitting in the sixth slot right now. That means you control. That means you keep winning. You're going to be in. And that's all you're looking for right now. Uh, So you find a way. And boy, Taylor Heineke and what he is doing to help lead this offense. Again, it's not a juggernaut offense, but it doesn't matter. Do just enough to win and move on to the next game. And keep yourself in it. Keep yourself in a position to control your own destiny. That's all you can ask for as a player and a coach and a team. Brian
1: Johnson, who just joined the team five days earlier, kicked the go-ahead 48-yard field goal with 37 seconds left. One of the players was quoted as saying, I was so nervous, I don't even know the name of the kicker. I don't even know who he is. And they had to sit and wait for him to throw that touchdown. We've seen some Logan Thomas highlights, by the way. Bad news for Washington. He is believed to be done for the season with a torn ACL. That will hurt them moving forward. But Antonio Gibson is making the offense go. Taylor Heineke is developing into a much better quarterback than I think anyone expected him to be. And and they just they did enough to get it done. And now they got the Cowboys. It will be time to throw the rock at the board if they beat the Cowboys on on Sunday, Mike, and uh, move their way toward first place in the division. As I said earlier, they have two paths to that ticket to the postseason party. They can still win the division or they can get a wild card. And uh, uh, what a huge game it's going to be this weekend when they face the Cowboys.
2: Well, I mean, listen, the Cowboys have not been running the ball like the, the, the juggernaut that they can be. The Washington defense is playing a hell of a lot better. The wide receivers for Dallas is certainly between COVID and injury. They've missed some time. So we don't know where that Dallas offense is going to be. And they're kind of a Jekyll and Hyde as it's been. So And Washington defensively is really kind of hitting their stride right now. Again, offensively, they're not going to score a ton of points, but they're playing well enough to win. That's where I'm excited on this, for this game is that Washington defense, Jack Del Rio's led defense against this Dallas offense and what we're going to get out of them.
1: All right, let's go ahead and take a break. We'll do our Sunday statement draft when this Monday edition of PFT Live continues right after this.
2: you speak to the accuracy or the relevance of the report that says that you basically told everybody that you're going to be done after this year? Well, I haven't told everybody that. Um, you know, honestly, we just got done with this game. I'm exhausted. Uh, And we play in a couple hours, it feels like. Um, And so that's my focus. My focus is on Minnesota and and what we have to do to get ready. I'll address any of that stuff after the season. I've I've always been a a one-game-at-a-time, one-season-at-a-time person, and I'm going to stay that way.
0: There's nothing to manage. Um, Ben doesn't allow it to become an issue. Um, Ben has been pretty solid in terms of his expressions that he's singularly focused on what it is that we're doing now. He'll deal with those things on the other side of this journey, and I'm with him on it. And so um, it is not a distraction. Uh, I thought it was funny that it was seemingly a story this weekend, to be quite honest with you.
1: Yeah, no denials there from Mike Tomlin or Ben Roethlisberger about, frankly, something we all kind of knew. Didn't we know it anyway? I I know that in this business, we got to fill the quota. We got to make the pancakes we got to put out the content, Mike, but the idea that this is Ben Roethlisberger's last season in Pittsburgh is not exactly the kind of thing that is going to shake the foundation of the NFL.
2: No, we are not going to all be looking at one another going, did that just happen? Is he really not there now? (laughs) I mean, we've all kind of seen this coming, yeah.
1: All right, Sunday Statement Draft, you're up.
2: All right, listen. I'm going right back to that Washington game and to and to uh, uh, Brian Johnson. You know what uh, he was able to do. I mean, you have to again understand that this guy got there five days before the game. He's a rookie out of Virginia Tech, and kickers already are kind of left to themselves anyway, right on a team. So now he's going there, doesn't know anybody, is just out at practice practicing, and with now now with what 37 seconds ago, he's asked to go out there. And win a game for a bunch of guys he barely knows as a rookie. And just to, just to be able to go ahead and knock it through that way, a uh, 48-yarder to me is, is pretty darn impressive, Mike.
1: I'm going to start with a guy that it's amazing we haven't mentioned him yet in this program, but the Buccaneers continue to be one of the better teams in the NFL, one of the best teams. Tom Brady. He had another four-touchdown day, and I know he had a pick six near the end of the first half. It made it very interesting, made it 20-17 to 17 at halftime in Atlanta. But he's never lost to the Falcons. We, we know the most famous game that he's had against the Falcons. In his entire career, he's never lost to the Falcons. He had 368 passing yards on, 51 attempts, four touchdowns, and he's 44. And we, we really do take him for granted. He, he very well could be the NFL MVP this year at 44 years of age.
2: Oh, w- w- without a doubt, uh, the way he's playing. I completely agree. Uh, my next one is going to be Dallas Goddard, the tight end for the Eagles. Now, uh, they, they get their 33-18 winning in a game they should have won, but you have a backup quarterback playing, and you always wonder who that backup quarterback is going to end up linking to. This is gardner Minshew this time around. And it was Dallas Goddard to the tune of six catches for 105 yards and two touchdowns, you know that's averaging. He's averaging over 14 and a half yards a catch on the season as it is. So tight ends getting down the field and doing what he's done has been pretty impressive. But always in a game to me where there's a backup quarter coming back in, they find that certain person, whether it's a running back out of the backfield, a wide receiver, or a tight end that they find for that certain day. And yesterday it was Dallas Goddard coming up with a big game for the Eagles.
1: The, uh, the next one for me, and we, we talked about Jonathan Taylor and what he did for the Colts on Sunday. i, I got to give this to the Indianapolis defense because it's still not easy to pitch a shutout in the NFL. And I know the Texans are much maligned, but they continue to be, until relegated to the CFL, members of the National Football League, and to go into Houston against a division rival and shut them out and shut them down and bring into question whether or not Tyrod Taylor is even going to continue to be the starting quarterback, that's an impressive performance by a team that, Mike, if they get in, if the Colts get in, like if I'm the Patriots, the Bills, if I'm these other teams that I'm pretty sure I'm getting in, I got a a Colts voodoo doll that I'm sticking every pin I have into. I don't want them in the playoffs.
2: I'm with you. That downhill running game in the cold weather, not fun to stop. Completely agree. Last one for me is going to be a unit. It's going to be the the running attack from Arizona Cardinals. We just talked about them and Kyler Murray and such, but what a complete team they are. They go to Chicago. It's rainy. It's cold. It's not a great day. So what happens? You don't rely on Kyler Murray so much. They throw the ball 15 times. I know we run some as well, but they run 35 times for 137 yards. They didn't win the time of possession by any stretch, but... They're able to take a part of their team. They don't always have to say, "Kyler Murray, go win it for us all the time. They can have the running attack. They can have the defense as well. And yesterday it was, for their offense, 35 runs as opposed to 15 passes for them to manage their offense.
1: I'm going to finish where we started because, look, we we really had written off the Steelers um, and assumed they were not going to be able to get it done <laughs> for the first time ever the Ravens were favored in Pittsburgh when they were going to be facing Ben Roethlisberger. Now getting TJ Watt back on Saturday gave them a lift that probably made the difference in the game, but Roethlisberger had a solid game against the Ravens and it likely will be his last game at home against the Ravens and and that that's the right way to cap it with that rivalry. You know, he still got to go to Baltimore, but at least for now to get the win at home. Uh, in in what really does feel like and, and you can you can look at what they said they didn't deny a thing he's done after this year and that that adds an extra little something to the final five games and good for ben to get the win over baltimore and uh and move on and still be alive in the playoff chase let's go ahead and take a break we'll wrap up this monday edition a great game coming up tonight in buffalo patriots bills we'll talk about that next on pft live Game of the week tonight. We've been waiting for this one. They play twice this month. It's the Patriots at the Bills. The Patriots riding high. The Bills, yeah, I'm sure the Bills are thinking, come on, can't we just have a couple of years? Can't we just enjoy this just for a little bit before we got to worry about the Patriots taking over the division again? I have a feeling this is going to be a rough night for the Bills, Mike, because the Patriots have the versatility on defense to take away the passing game, to neutralize Stephon Diggs, and I don't think the Bills have the running game. When you pivot away from that thing that the Patriots keep you from doing to the thing you don't do well, I don't think they're going to be able to counter it.
2: Listen, I, I think that the Patriots' defense is just playing too well right now. Uh, you look at that as a team, though, six in a row there. You look at the, again, the, the Midland play of Buffalo and in their last six games, loss-win, loss-win, loss-win. I mean, at times they're scoring 45, and other times they're scoring 6. At times they're giving up, you know, 30, 34, and other times they're only giving up 9 or something. I mean, they're wildly inconsistent right now. And this was a team at one point that was scoring the most points and giving up the least points. And they have been anything but that in the last six games. So you don't know what you're going to get. So when you have that, you could get a great game, or do you go with, well, we've seen New England, then then be consistent. You would go with the consistency. Consistency wins, and that's Bill. Bill is consistently, not normally consistently great, but he's consistent at letting you beat yourself, letting you find a way to make that mistake that's going to cost you the game, and we'll capitalize on it. We won't make as many mistakes. We'll just capitalize on your mistakes. And the way Buffalo has been going, you know, win-loss, 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 what they've been doing, you figure they're going to make some mistakes. And how well can New England capitalize on those?
1: Here's what I'm looking for tonight. The Bills, after letting Josh Allen run plenty as a rookie, have been very strategic about when they unleash him. Usually in the postseason is when we see them throw caution to the wind with Josh Allen running the ball. This may be the night where they have to just let Allen go just let him go. That may be the difference. If if the Patriots are going to shut down the passing game and they don't have the tailbacks to take advantage of the openings, it could be Josh Allen running and running and running. And uh, we've run out of time. We'll see how it goes tonight. Enjoy the game. Thanks for some of your time. Have a great Monday.